Your brain needs support, and new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L theanine, and caffeine, Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible complex specialty care that cares about your ROI. It's possible because we're already doing it all while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. What's up fam? Welcome back to the Whoa That's Good podcast. Happy Wednesday to everyone. Today we have another two-time guest. This guy is a legend. He's actually a three-time guest because we split up the first one that you did because it was so good. We have Ben Stewart back on the Whoa That's Good podcast and I'm stoked. Ben, welcome to the podcast. Well, thank you, Sadie. It's an honor to be back two to three times. That's pretty great. So I'm happy to be here. I think you're the first person besides Christian Huff, my husband, who's made it on the show three times. So, wow. Yeah. That's hey. That that's something. That means that we love hearing your voice. And um, no, seriously, from um, someone in the age group, I know you speak to a lot. Um, I know you used to be at a um, college campus and you know you still continue to do stuff like that passion and different things um, all of my friends learn so much from you seriously my personal friends love your books love your book single day engage married we're excited for this one love your messages um, I told you this before but even today I listened to your message and sent it to all of our work team so we're grateful for your voice thanks for what you do well, thank you, Sadie. And before we get past it, let me say two things. Congratulations on being a mom. And Thank um, you. Yes. So look forward to meeting Honey. And um, man, you crushed it at Passion, too. So awesome. Oh, I mean, Donna and I were coming you. out of our seats. It was unbelievable. <laughs> Truly. Thank you so much. I mean, I was... Um, I was so sad not to be there, obviously. Obviously, God did so much in that and grateful for that. But one reason I was sad was so I, because I didn't get to see Donna because we had prayed so much about it. And she had texted me so many times when I was working on the message and it meant so much. And I, I was honestly really looking forward to hearing what she thought because we had thought about it so much together. And But it was so sweet. So I was watching it, of course, from afar. And I'm getting texts from Donna as I'm watching my message. And I was like, oh, that's so sweet. And it was just really encouraging. Amening the so screen. Thanks. We were in it. Yeah, it was powerful. Which I was actually texting her whenever you were there on, and your message was incredible. We'll talk about that. But I was texting her like, this is so good. And I didn't know she couldn't respond because she had a very important part of your message <laughs> throwing you those tennis balls. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I had a friend come up afterwards and they're like, man, did you have a tennis ball machine firing those at you? I was like, yeah, my wife. Like she's the she's got the best arm I know. So I told her you have to do this. Uh, that was so. I was so impressed by how many you actually caught. Were you kind of like low key a little impressed by yourself? No, I just kept thinking about the ones I missed. 
people said that later and I was like, man, I felt like I missed a lot of them, but no, I'll take that. That's awesome. No, it was so impressive. I was like, dang, I, was, I would have, if, if you would have missed the first one, it would have like thrown everything off, but, but you that were there, the you were in the moment. It was awesome. Well, I got to ask you the question again that you've already been asked. So I won't say what's the best piece of advice you've ever been given, mm-hmm. but I'll say what's the, one of the best pieces you've been given as of lately that's really stuck out to you. Yes, I would say a life-changing statement that a mentor said to me was however you conceive of the spiritual life, it's primarily a battle of the mind. Hmm. And where I summarized him was because what you think about will determine what you care about. And what you care about, Hmm. you'll chase. Because thoughts are the fuel for the affections in the heart. And then, you know, our affections drive our actions. We do what we want to do. But even when you say things like guard your heart, you're like, from what? From, from thoughts. That's why the, the Bible's so clear on set your mind on things above. I want to stir mm-hmm. you up by way of reminder that it's what we entertain in our mind determines what we love and what we become. So yep. more and more, I'm just a student of what thoughts I allow to linger in my mind and what thoughts That's I choose great. to believe or not. Because what you think about is what you'll care about. And what you care about is what you'll chase. Wow, that's so good. It's so practically put. It's so true. Um, I love how actually in the book that we're about to talk about, um, but you talk about how it's been proven that we are influenced, like even yeah. like social media, like we are being influenced. And um, so what we think about, we really do have to be intentional about because you don't even know that what you're looking at is actually fueling what you're thinking about and all the things. And so just practically before we get into everything, like how do you even start to realize what you're thinking about? It's <laughs> <Yeah, that's> great. <laughs> like think about it. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think being curious, I, I think shame disrupts strategy and struggle. Mm -hmm. And so if you can just put shame down for a minute and say, no, let me just evaluate. Like, why did I say that awkward thing in that conversation? Oh, because I was feeling insecure. Where did that come from? And just getting curious about yourself and not shaming yourself because it shuts down that curiosity, but just getting curious. I think of it like you're paddling upstream to what's the motivation Mm -hmm. that was giving these actions all this energy and Mm -hmm. i think that curiosity is helpful don't beat yourself up that is not a productive activity Mm -hmm. just yep be a student of you you know paul told timothy that uh watch your life and your doctrine closely so he's like watch what you believe Mm. like read your bible but then watch Mm -hmm. you be a student of you yeah because he says that'll save you and everyone who listens to you timothy he's like everyone you influence needs you to be a student of you wow Uh, and if you're not you will be blown about by all these influences and you'll call it fate and hmm. you have no idea uh, wow. that you're being led. So anyway, yep. I think curiosity is where it starts. That's so good. Honestly, I love that. I haven't thought about that. That shame really shuts it down and that's like such our tendency. Like I even think about that. If I say something that's like awkward in a moment or stupid, then later I'm like, I cannot stop saying like, why would you say that? Like that was so stupid, you know? And yeah. you just are like, shaming yourself and you feel so awkward and then you're like I am awkward then you know that goes down a whole cycle and so that's so good be a student of yourself well you have this new book out rest and war let's go (laughs) love the title love the look it's awesome 
rhythms of a well-fought life. I um, am excited to talk about that with you. But first, I want to ask just why. Why write the book? I know you've written Single Day Engaged Married, which is one of our favorite books. Um, But you know how hard it is to write a book because you've done it. It's a process and it's big. So, you know, um, from someone who has written books too, it's like I always like to ask people why because knowing you're about to step into a whole lot of research, a lot of time, especially being a father, a pastor, all those things, why did you feel like this was the book that you you wanted to write for the now? Yeah, that's a great question. I think um, at a personal level, it started when I was in college of just learning a bit more about myself. Like for me, I wouldn't say I struggled with depression in college, because I think that word can be used to describe a lot of really intense experiences people have. I say yeah. I was prone to melancholy. And uh, <laughs> I remember reading it. about this old saint that wrestled with that. And I was it took me by surprise in this book. I was like, oh, I was mm. reading his life because he changed the world. And this guy struggled mm. deeply with discouragement and depression. And I was like, wait, he sounds like me. Maybe God can use me to make a difference. And then you realized... He never prayed it away. He just found ways to, uh, well, the old school terms are to to mortify, to kill ways of thinking that weren't productive Mm. and then to vivify or bring to life good ways. And that kickstarted a journey for me of like, you know, I can't control everything, but, but I'm not a victim to every feeling I have, every thought I have to the whims of culture. I have an agency under God how do I implement a strategy that'll help me? And and then over time, I realized a lot of people feel that. They feel victimized by their own struggles and they feel a little yep. bit lost on how to make their way forward in life. And a lack of momentum is really discouraging. And so yeah. for me, getting a sense of direction and then getting a sense of strategy uh, was really empowering. And so I spent my life doing mm-hmm. that. I remember sitting in a seminary class weeping reading the the writings of john owen because they changed my life about here's how to struggle well and i Mm. thought no one i know is ever going to read john owen like this these are so hard (laughs) to read i was like then i'm gonna by the grace of god translate this for the young people i care about who i watch struggle yeah and feel beat up by their besetting sins their discouragements and i just want to help them see a path forward and so it was yeah. such a beating to write this book. It was so hard, but uh, it was to answer your question, a labor of love. Cause I'm like, man, the Lord helped me so much figure out how to struggle well. And this is a field guide for the spiritual life. That's what it is. With Kizik Hands Free Shoes, motion sounds something like this. Kizik helps you experience the magic of motion. With over 200 patents and easy on, easy off technology, you'll never have to touch your shoes again. There are hundreds of styles and colors, plus a squish like nothing you've ever felt. For a limited time, get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com slash socks. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 
it. Man, that's so good. Well, thank you. Genuinely, thank you for writing it and putting this message out there and for bridging the gap between someone who might be, um, would go right over my head if I read something from him, but I can read your words and understand what you're saying. And honestly, like I said, um, I saw the message that you preach based off this book. And I sent it to all my friends. I was like, this message is so important. Like this book is so important. It's so important. We stop to think. I love even, you kind of mentioned it earlier, um, but that thinking upstream concept of what what's to come with how I'm how I'm living right now. All those concepts are so good and so important for us to think about. I love how you start the book um, talking about how the atmosphere has changed, and you're talking about just the story of you hiking. Can you share that story and just kind of how you feel like um, that describes the moment that we're in? Yeah, totally. I mean, I was in college, and a buddy of mine and I decided to climb Long's Peak, tallest mountain in the Rockies, and. You know, we started training to get in shape, but then when we got up there, I mean, we were feeling good. Like we were running past all these other hikers. I mean, we were just bounding up this mountain, feeling awesome. And then we got to this <laughs> transition point where it was across a cliff through the snow. And we're like, dude, we're not equipped for this. But we saw these other hikers going and they're like, so are you guys going to stop here? And we we're like, what? No. You know, so we just launched <laughs> out. Oh, and dear. as we got closer to the top, it felt like everything went wrong internally. Suddenly I got dizzy and lightheaded and nauseous and he and I just kept pushing as far as our energy could get us. But then at one moment we just saw another incline through the snow and we collapsed. We're like, we can't go any further. And we just realized we are without the resources to get where we had hoped we'd be. Hmm. And we started to pray. And I remember our prayer started, Oh God, we are so stupid because we couldn't get down. <laughs> And then out of nowhere, this mountain dude shows up and uh, I won't tell the whole story. He was hilarious. He was like, y'all are the college guys who came here without equipment. He's like, we're in awe of you. You're crazy. And then he started talking about God protects the ignorant. And we we're like, okay, thank you. But um, oh my gosh. he started to show us. He was like, man, you're breathing wrong. And we're like, what do you mean we're breathing wrong? He's like, well, there's less oxygen up here. He said, the atmosphere's changed and you have to adapt mm. if you want to survive. And this, this mentor started to show us how to breathe. He gave us gloves, equipment. I gripped onto him and he led us forward. And um, mm. I've just never forgot that moment. And as I look at, mm. you know, you, Sadie, and your generation, I don't think it's hyperbole. I don't think it's too much to say. The atmosphere's changed. There's challenges. Every generation gets challenges, but there's some coming at your generation that are unique and they're impacting the vibrancy of young people their sense of mm -hmm. confidence, the increase of anxiety mm -hmm. and depression and discouragement and fear is coming because of all this rapid technological change. And I think wisdom says, well, let's analyze our environment. If behavior is a function mm -hmm. of a person in an environment, let's envir mm -hmm. engage the environment and let's learn about ourselves. And then we figure mm -hmm. out how to navigate it. So as I've gotten yep. older, I'm like, maybe by the grace of God, I'm the old mountain guy on the side of the mountain trying to help some people <laughs> get where God, God's hey. called you to go. Get higher than you, you can. You are. <laughs> you are. And I appreciate that. I wanted you to share that because I think that's so real. And I love how, um, I think one reason why it's easy to listen to you is because you have a lot of compassion and empathy for where we're at. 
you know, um, you're not saying, man, y'all, how can y'all not get it together? Why are y'all so selfish and obsessed with the selfie? Why are you so anxious? Like, you're not saying that. You're like, I understand why. Like, this is new. This is challenging. This is hard. Um, however, there is a way still. There, There is a way. There still is a truth. There still is life. There's still a way to do this and, and do it well, live a life following Jesus. And so I just love that. Um, there's yeah. a quote that you have. It's kind of an anchor for this book, I feel like, but it talks about how a life of spirituality is lived in the context of adversity. And when I heard you break that down, I was like, wow, that is so good. Because I think a lot of people think that if God's in it, then it's not supposed to be hard. You know, like if this is faith, it's not supposed to be hard. It's supposed to be easy, right? It's supposed to be. And then if it's not, then it's not God, you know, and that's just not, that's not true. And so can you break that down and kind of explain what that, what that looks like in a real life of faith and how there's adversity that that does come absolutely yeah you know i think of it like i don't know if you've watched saving private ryan you know there's that scene at the beginning the beaches of normandy where you have these soldiers and and i've always explained it this way like there's two kinds of soldiers in the middle of a firefight like that there's there's some Mm -hmm. that look calm and serene and there's others that look agitated and fearful and Mm -hmm. what's the difference well the one that looks serene is dead Dead people don't jump in the middle of a fight. It's Hmm. the alive person who's aware of the struggle. Hmm. And so what I find is a lot of Christians get so discouraged when they feel like they're struggling. And it's like, no, your struggle, rather than a sign that God doesn't love you or a sign that you're not really saved or don't really belong to Jesus, your struggle is one of the greatest signs you're alive. It's alive people yeah. who are aware of the struggle. And the Bible presents it that way. I mean, Genesis 3, the seed of the woman is going to come and he's going to crush the serpent while he bites his heel. I mean, the very beginning of an introduction mm-hmm. of Jesus is you're in a fight and yep. it's going to be a struggle. And he won the decisive victory like he won. But he's inviting us into this fight. The struggle's not over. Yep. It's just before you were just a victim and now you can be victorious, but, but you got to learn how to fight. And I just love that about the Bible. Like, so, you know, James Hebrews, they're like, so strengthen feeble knees, like get tougher. You know, (laughs) Hebrews is like, man, you haven't resisted to the point of shedding blood. He's like, you aren't even (laughs) bleeding yet. And, uh, but in that same context, he calls them sons five times and talks about how loved you are by God. You are loved, 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 loved. God fought for you. Jesus bled out for you. He brought you to life. And yeah, you came alive in the middle of a battlefield, but you're Mm -hmm. charging out with the king. So let's ride together. And I just love that, that the best fighters know they were fought for. Like you get that first. No, God loves me. Yeah. And so for so many young people, I think what they're struggling with is that sense of, am I settled in the love of God? Does he Mm -hmm. care about me? And then now that I know he does, I need to know there's a voice that's coming that's going to lie to me. Mm-hmm. Did God really say, mm-hmm. uh, is God holding out on you? Seems like he's not letting you do everything you want. Seems like he's not going to take care of you. And the enemy just is always aiming at that. And, you know, James talks about that. He says, don't be deceived. When he's talking about how temptation will kill you in the end, he says, don't mm-hmm. be deceived. But then he says, don't be deceived. Every good and perfect gifts from your father. Yeah. He says the lie that launches all these sins in our lives, the lie that God doesn't love you. He doesn't have your best mm-hmm. interest in mind. And so, you know, it's interesting with social media. Um, I have this photo of a guy from the 1920s mm-hmm. that I just found. He, he was trying to write a book and he mm-hmm. was too distracted, too many distractions. 
So he hmm. created a sensory deprivation helmet. It's made out of wood. It's huge. It's got an oxygen tank. And these little goggles. Oh my gosh. So he's like, finally, I can write and get all these 1920s distractions out of my life. And so he got them all out, <laughs> sat down to write, and he couldn't focus. And he realized wow. the technology is not the problem. The distractions in here. Wow. And I go to the technology because I want to escape intolerable feelings. And that's why I'm yep. picking it up. I want to escape boredom. I want to escape Sheesh. fear. I escape intolerable feelings to my distractions and that's just gotten way easier than ever before now yep um but if i can deal with the feelings and take anxiety and fear to the lord and know i'm loved i'm cared for then you can clear the mechanism and actually get something done so i went way afield from your original question but i got excited but you know what i'm talking about no i i love this i love this you went to like every direction i I have planned (laughs) to go so this is great i can bring it all up no, I love it. And uh, gosh, that is, is like so convicting to me even because that is that is what I do. Like I um, so even in preparing for the passion message, I was like, it just felt so weighty. You know, it felt like a lot of pressure because I knew the Lord wanted me to talk about identity, which was just a hard yeah. topic to, to talk about. And how do I say that and do that justice and all the things. And so instead of working on my message, this huge message that I'm so nervous for, and I should totally be diving all into that and on my knees 24 seven, I found myself on social media more. And it was just for stupid reasons. Like not like I was like posting something that really mattered, like just scrolling. And I was like, what am I doing? Like here I am. I'm literally even talking about social media having negative effect and I'm, I'm on social media and then I'd like limit my screen time and then I'd start cleaning the house and I would get busy yeah. doing that or then I would fold the laundry and I was like oh well honey needs me to play with her even though she was totally content and fine and I was doing anything and everything I could to distract myself from having to sit down and deal with what I needed to, to face and um, that was something I was even excited for but it scared me and it felt yeah. Uh, intimidating and so I just avoided it until I realized wow like I am the problem like I'm like going to like distract myself with anything and everything it's not social media it's not that the house needs to be cleaned it's not that honey needs me to be on the ground right now it's just that I'm scared and I came to that realization and got got with it and gosh I'm so glad I did because whenever I did share my message I felt so prepared and so ready and I knew I had gotten rid of those distractions and really was able to hear from the Lord. And it's so cool because in that moment, um, now looking back at passion, what I'm so grateful for is that I tuned my ear to hear and that I, I did hear and that gave me a confidence to do that. And I think that's the same way in life. Like when you get rid of distractions, when you quiet yourself and you tune your ear to hear when you you know think um about the things that you're thinking question those things you actually become so much more of a confident person you you're seeing the lord you're hearing the lord and then you're like why would i ever want to distract myself you know and then if you're not careful even knowing that you do it again and so i think it's so important we're thinking about these things um you brought up the fact of um, how sometimes we think God doesn't love us and all these things. And one thing that you talked about is how our deepest um, problems are actually rooted in like the problem, like in procrastination or um, working a lot or lust or pride or fear or resentment or even family trauma or anything like that. But actually the source of those are from the failure to understand something fundamental about the nature of who God is. And I thought that was a really good point. And 
that was kind of something that I talked about passionately. Like who is God is so important that we understand. Why do you think that we misunderstand who God is so much? Like, why do you think the God of love, why do we think we say, like, we're not loved? You know, like, why do you think, yeah. where do you think that disconnect is for us sometimes? Yeah. Well, I think, you know, from the very beginning in the Bible, we're presented with an enemy who wants to deceive us and is called the deceiver and the father of lies. So that is his world. And his goal is to destroy you and to dishonor God. And what is his strategy from the very beginning? If you notice with Eve, he doesn't say, man, look how good that fruit is. That fruit is awesome. Like he doesn't start with whatever your thing is. He starts mm -hmm. with, did God really say you can't eat anything yeah. you want? And he starts by undermining the care and compassion of God. Seems like God's holding out on you, Eve. I mean, that's what he's saying. Seems like God's put limits on you. Seems like he doesn't trust you. Seems like he doesn't have your best interest in mind. And so you go, there is a spiritual force invested in guiding your life. And where he begins is if I can get you to not trust God to provide for you, then I can open a million different streams for you to go try to drink from. Uh, mm -hmm. any addiction, any distraction, any relationship, I, I can send you a million different broken places looking for comfort or escape mm -hmm. from your feelings. I can't remember who said it, the old theologian, when a man knocks at the door of a brothel, he's looking for God. You go, we're looking for that sense of love, wow. acceptance, care, peace in our soul. And if I can't get it here, I'll go to so many broken places to get it. So he's so invested in undermining mm -hmm. that relationship. I mean, did it with Jesus. I mean, remember when he came yeah. to Jesus, what did he say? If you are the son of God, then. I mean, he yeah. just attacks his sonship first. And so it's helpful mm -hmm. to know that. Like when that voice in your head is telling you, well, you're no good or you're a disappointment or you did it again. Like when you hear those voices, we agree with them so fast. And you go, no, wait a minute. Who's talking? Does my dad talk that way? Would, would my father mm -hmm. speak to me that way? And, you know, I don't like it when people say, I didn't know what love was till I had kids. I mean, I don't know if people said that stuff to you now, but I'm like, I think you can know what love is when you don't have kids. Like the apostle <laughs> Paul wrote first Corinthians 13. Like, I think you can, Jesus didn't have kids. So, you know, put that hey, in that's there. a good point. <laughs> but having kids made it easier for me to see how God loves yeah, us, yeah. how mm -hmm. much kinder he is to us than my internal voices to, to me. So I, mm -hmm. I think the very genesis of sin is let me decouple you from God. Cause as soon as I do, mm. I can get you to believe anything. I can get you to run anywhere. So it's helpful to know we yeah. have an enemy invested in that, you know, yeah. and on, honestly, this That's is so weird. Good. And, and, uh, with, as it relates to social media, I think it's been interesting for us now to see there are entities invested in shaping your thought patterns to influence your behavior. And you didn't even know they were doing it. Like, why do I even like this style of music? Why are these it jeans right now? Someone told me that. Who <laughs> yeah. told me that? Why is it suddenly important yeah. I buy new pants? Like, and you realize my thoughts are being shaped to be marketed yes. to. And you go, yes. that's spiritually what's happening. So if you're aware of that spiritually, you're like, you know, we have an enemy who's invested in getting us to believe lies. So yeah, uh, let me be curious what I'm thinking about and let me decide if I'm going to agree with those thoughts or not. 
so important. Gosh, it's so good. I was actually watching this movie the other night, and um, I won't say what movie it was because it wasn't necessarily like the best movie. It wasn't bad, but it's not like, hey, everyone go watch this movie. But it was really action-packed, and there was this moment where there was this guy like hiding in a vent, and he was the enemy, I guess, and there was um, this panel lined up, and he went to uh, shoot one of the people on stage, and the FBI guy like knew what was happening so he grabbed a spotlight and he pointed it to the vent so that people knew like this is where the enemy is and as you're talking like this is what you're doing like for all of us like shining a spotlight on the enemy the the strategy of the enemy where he's at what he's doing so that everyone can see and be aware of what's happening and what's interesting is the movie framed the other guy and it's like that's the thing like you the enemy loves to twist it loves to like say no it wasn't me it was it was you it was your problem it's god it's his you know but it but it's right here it's so clear it's plain as day and so thank you because you really are like this book is giving direction for people which is what everyone craves and it's Mm -hmm. shining a light on the strategy of the enemy that people have been uh honestly just beat up by for uh the past few years and obviously forever but especially the past few years when we're talking about social media and that context of things um so thank you so good um one thing that you talked about which is a fun thing was how it's so vital that we continue to have god glorifying fun and i i love that idea because i love to have fun honestly i love to laugh i love to hang out and um i think that some people think like if you're a christian you can't have fun you know Mm -hmm. it's not fun at all and uh, i like that you made that a point why did you feel like that was like a good point that you wanted to put in the book well i was so surprised by it in so many people's lives that I know do intense work they prioritize fun so much and I was like man y'all are like why is this so important to you to surf or whatever whatever you're doing and I realized oh the human machine will seek pleasure somewhere and if you Mm -hmm. don't actively choose a redemptive something the enemy's always going to provide you some broken ones so for the sake wow, of your so own good. soul and for everyone you influence, prioritize what do I enjoy doing? And I remember talking with a guy who had been through recovery from sex addiction. And he, as part of his recovery process, had to write out, here's the behaviors I can't do anymore. Here's the slippery slope that gets to them. And he was showing me it was like a target. And then the outer ring of the target, I was like, what is he that going to be? Like, here's the things I don't do. Here's the things I don't do before the things I do. And then here's the things I don't do before the things I don't do before the things I do. I'm like, man, this is like really intense. And he was like, no, the outer ring is what I do for fun that doesn't compromise my integrity. And so he challenged me to try that. Like, write out the things you don't want to do anymore. Write down the slippery slope that leads you to those behaviors. He said, and then write out your fun. And I realized I didn't have any. I wrote like read books and he was like, here's the thing. He was like, I don't want to focus on your broken, sad parts of your story right now. He was like, this is the most pathetic column ever. He's like, fix that. (laughs) And then you see it all through the Bible. God's first statement about the garden is I want it to be beautiful. Like that's his first thought is like, dude, I want this place to be awesome. Like functional came second. That's cool. And, um, and then reading all these old Christians, it was vital to have fun because life is hard and life is brutal and you got to yeah. laugh and you got to have fun. And it's, it's, yep. a, it's an important strategy to prioritize it. So yep. uh, that chapter was like three times as long. They kept making me cut out stories of all these different old 
Christians, uh, how they used to have fun. You need fun. to just, just put it out. Like, oh. <laughs> Or if you need a place, another place to put it out, send it to us and we'll put it on our blog because I want to read that. Like, (laughs) I love stuff like that. And honestly, people comment on my Instagram all the time, like not all the time, but I feel like this is when I get negative comments, a lot of times it's about this. It's like, you're just like ignoring the problems of the world, you know, or you're just, um, how could you smile whenever this is happening or laugh or whatever? And it's not that I'm ignoring the problems of the world. I think about those things all the time. I, I cry over those things. I care about those things. I work yeah. towards every day trying to reach people with the message of hope and all yes. those things. But at the same time, I do feel like God has given us um, joy as a strength. And like yes. joy can look a lot of different ways. It doesn't always look like laughing and playing around and stuff like that. But it is a strength. And I do feel like having fun in life, even when things are hard, is so important. And so um, I do tend to share the fun stuff or the fun moments and um, me and Christian dancing. Because honestly, sometimes we dance when we have a hard day and we're like, we just need to laugh together, you know. So that is a priority. And um, I love that point. I thought that was that was so good. Um, one thing I want to kind of finish this up with talking about is anxiety because obviously we're struggling so much with that. And I love that you talked about that so much at Passion, just our anxiety. And you had a great message on how to kind of ease that. But something that you said too that got me in the book was, in the relatively safest time for human beings to exist on the planet, we find ourselves disoriented and disturbed. And I was like, that's so true. Like, it's so weird how safe I genuinely am and then how fearful I can be about safety, but I feel safe. Like it's just such a weird thing. And um, I love how you said like the Christian life is meant to be characterized by living anxiety free. And so how do we take all this and know, okay, we're actually safe. Why are we so anxious? What is happening? How can I live this anxiety-free life? I know it's a loaded question, but um, I know that you hit it so well at Passion. Just wanted you to give an opportunity to talk towards to the person who's struggling with that anxiety. How do I how do I minimize that to live fully the calling that God has for my life? Yeah, that's great, Sadie. You know, I think of um, there's a moment in the Gospels that says Jesus looked at the crowds and they were harassed and helpless. And, you know, if you harass someone, that means you're, you're constantly bothering them and you won't leave them alone. And if you're helpless, it means you lack the tools to get them to stop. <laughs> and so when he looked at his crowd, he was like, they're being constantly harassed and they don't have the tools to make it stop. Mm. And he doesn't go like, well, come on, sheep. Like he doesn't get mad. It says, and he had compassion. I hurt for yep. you. And so he taught them many things. And honestly, I think about that every time I preach. I look at the crowd and go, they're harassed and helpless. Do you have compassion? And that makes me want to teach them many things. That's why I wrote a book that tried to be as practical as it could. Let's get you perspective. Let's get practical. Because that's what God does. And then Jesus tells them, don't be anxious. What are we going to eat? What are we going to drink? What are we going to wear? But then he says, fear not, little flock. Your father delights to give you the kingdom. And what I love about that is he acknowledges they're anxious he says, it's a faith issue. You're not trusting me, but he doesn't shame them. He says, your father delights to take care of you. He loves you. Mm-hmm. And that's the beautiful thing about what we looked at in Philippians and that sermon at passion people can listen to is, is it's the invitation from God, cast your cares upon me because I care for you. Mm-hmm. So it's not, don't be anxious, get over it, toughen up. It's don't be anxious. Let me carry that. 
Let me carry mm, you. It's good. And so if you're struggling with anxiety, anyone listening to us, just don't shame yourself or beat yourself up. That is counterproductive, destructive, not constructive. Don't do that. Life is hard. Mm-hmm. And um, so many of the changes in the culture have left us harassed and helpless. We lack the tools to figure out how to move forward together. And I would just encourage you, your father's not shaming you. He's inviting you. Cast your cares on me because I care good. for you. And as you do that, he says, the it's peace great. of God is going to guard you and the God of peace is going to be with you. And then like you were mm-hmm. saying, Sadie, w- once you do that and offload all that fear and not let it drive you to a bunch of silly activities, God starts to whisper truth to you through his word. He starts to speak to you that yeah. about where your life's headed. And that's where motivation and excitement comes from. I'm not a victim to mm-hmm. these anxieties. I'm a victor in Christ and he's got purpose for my life. And um, I want that for you. I want that for me. I want that for everyone listening to us that I'm not, I'm, I'm mm-hmm. not doomed by this. It's a struggle, but I can struggle well and I can find substantial yep. healing and my God's going to shepherd me in that. So no one lose heart. God is too good for that. It's good, Ben. Thank you so much. Seriously, like you are so easy to listen to and easy to read and not because your stuff is simple. It's it's not. It's very, very profound. But you say it so compassionately that people lean in to listen. And um, so thank you for who you are, a pastor to our generation. Um, Thank you for you and Donna's incredible relationship and just how you how you do all the things that y'all do with such grace and just such humility. Um, Everyone, go get rest in war. This is just a little bit of all the goodness that's in here. We put out some gold that he got to share, but there's so much in here. It's so rich. Go get it anywhere books are sold, I'm assuming, and uh, online in person. Ben, thank you again for uh, being on the podcast for the third time. We appreciate it. (laughs) Thanks, baby.